Hi everyone, I'm Laura Langhoff Arndt, and this is Episode 7 of To Cause to Learn, Effective Teaching in the Church. This podcast is for those who want to talk about what it means to teach the faith effectively to people of all ages. We cover issues from teaching Sunday school to the wee ones in preschool, all the way up to those feisty teenagers. We'll talk about teaching confirmation and how to develop a culture of participation in adult Bible study. If you think you're not a good teacher, you'll love this podcast. And if you think you're already a good teacher, you'll love this podcast because it'll make you even better. And we all know that good teachers are always looking to be better. As promised, today we will be talking about storytelling, primarily for the narrative stage of faith education. First, a quick reminder of the five stages of faith education. Narrative is the first stage. It's preschool through second grade. Then there's knowledge, that's third through fifth grade. The understanding stage is middle school or sixth through eighth grade. The reason stage is high school or ninth through twelfth grade. And once we become adults, it's the wisdom stage. So welcome and let's get started because this episode may be a bit longer, but it's worth every minute. The tip of the day is, if you're telling a story, don't always have people read along. Tell it well and let them listen. Our first question is, why are stories important in the narrative stage? Well, the narrative stage, preschool through second grade, is all about stories. They want to hear stories over and over again until those of us reading them are rolling our eyes when they choose the same bedtime story they've chosen for the past five days or a couple of weeks. Don't you want another one? No, I want this one. Oh, they love their stories. And the truth is that we all love stories. We love reading great books, watching great movies, and binge-watching TV shows that have captured us. It's the stories of other people's lives that keep us coming back for more. The difference is that as we age, we expect stories to change, to grow. Uh, We want to know more about the people and what they think and how their lives get better or worse. Kids are that way too, but their stories are shorter than ours. And the truth is, we all learn from stories, and the Bible is a great one. Russ Ramsey, who wrote Behold the Lamb of God, describes the Bible like this. It's a story of evil against good, of darkness locked in an epic struggle to snuff out the light forever. It is a tale filled with people in trouble, all living somewhere between wandering and homecoming, between devastation and restoration, between transgression and grace. Every mortal character in the story needs rescue, but they have all turned aside, and together they have become corrupt. After clearing away all the levels of intrigue, conflict, and suspense facing mankind, this story is a story of divine love. It's a story of the one true God calling a people his beloved, though they lived in perpetual rebellion against him. Though their lives were a ruin of their own making, God swore a covenant oath to redeem them. Everything wrong with the world, he would put right. He 
you would remove their hearts of stone and give them hearts of flesh, putting a new spirit within them, and he would never, ever stop loving them. Now, who wouldn't want to hear that story? It is an amazing story, and we are told to pass it down to our children so that they can pass it down to their children. Why would we make it seem boring? Because it truly isn't. Question two. We have books now. We have the Bible now. So why is storytelling important? For centuries, people had no written Bibles to read and so shared the stories of Abraham, Noah, Samson, Paul, and of course Jesus, generation after generation, at home, in the market squares, as they worked and traveled and lived. Telling stories and talking about them is a fantastic tool for teaching young people about the Bible and its author. And yes, they can read the stories themselves or have them read to them. They can watch cartoons and they can watch movies about them too. But what a greater impact these stories will have if parents tell them on their way to school or on a road trip. What a greater impact they will be if they were talked about in regular daily life and not solely on Sunday morning. And how much more impactful is it when a family talks together about their great God and what he has done for them? There are so many lessons we learn from the Bible stories. Storytelling becomes people communicating, families bonding, communities growing. Also, passing on a story orally requires the ability to truly know it because you have to know it well enough to share it. And the process of retelling a story solidifies it in the memory. Whether in Sunday school or at home, we need to make these stories a part of our lives. We need to make the people of the Bible our ancestors, not just characters in a book. They were the people of God. We are the people of God. Question number three. Well, how do we tell a story well? First of all, it's not about telling a story. It's about telling a compelling story. We will have those friends, we've all got them, who they go on and on about their vacation and it's terribly boring. But we also have other friends who could tell the same story and have us laughing or crying. And let's be honest, the Bible was written in ancient Hebrew and Greek and its translation is much more than just a compelling story. There's historical stuff in there and genealogies and there are only pieces of stories with little dialogue. And because of that, we have a tendency to read it with absolutely no emotion. Here is an example from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping a flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take off your sandals, or take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Okay, so that was Exodus. And instead, when we tell the story, we want to stick to the truth, but we want to give it a little more emotional depth, as it so deserves. So here's another example. Moses was out keeping Jethro's sheep. That's his father-in-law, who was a priest. He led the flock to Mount Horeb, which is also called Mount Sinai. It was a nice day, and Moses looked around and thought, this is a nice area. Suddenly, he saw something unusual and said out loud, What's that over there? He paused. It looks like a... Oh no! Is that bush on fire? He started running toward it to put it out, but when he got there, he looked closer. Well, it was definitely a fire. It was hot. But how strange, he thought. It's burning, but it's not burning up. Wow! he exclaimed out loud. And just then, he heard a voice say, Moses! Moses stepped back. He stood there for a minute, thinking about what to do, and then he heard it again. Moses! He looked around, and in a shaky voice asked, I am Moses. Who said that? The voice spoke back to him out of the bush. Don't come too close and take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, Moses was surprised and looked at the ground because he was afraid to look at God, and he murmured, No way. And then God responded, Yahweh. Now don't be distracted by the fire. I hear my people crying out to me because of their suffering at the hands of the Egyptians. It's time for me to step in and help. I'm going to bring them out of Egypt to the land I promised them through Abraham, and I've got a job for you. You see, my friends, this Bible story, this story of the Bible, has everything. There's corruption, intrigue, conflict, suspense. There's a little bit of unexpected things that we might call magic, though it is supernatural power, the power of God and the burning bush. But there's also love and forgiveness and grace. It is the greatest rescue story known to mankind, and the people in it are interesting. They're passionate and caring, and they're just like us. They fail at life the same way we do. So here are some tips for good storytelling. The first one is always pray before you tell the story of the Bible with stories in the Bible. Two, know the story. Read it many times so you can tell it and not read it. That is the best thing that you can do. Become very familiar with it. Number three, Know the overall story. Remember that each of the 66 books of the Bible tell one unified story. Have an understanding of it and where it's going and what's going to happen so that you can tell it so that you don't focus on the wrong things. Four, make it real. After all, 
It's an epic story of good versus evil. And good wins, or God wins, which means we win. Five, let the funny things in the Bible be funny. The whole story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, that is really funny. First, Jacob is tricked into marrying Leah when he really wants Rachel. And then Rachel couldn't have kids, but Leah is the one who could have kids. And that situation caused a lot of tension between the two. Leah wanted to be loved and could have kids. Rachel got the love, but couldn't have kids. And then there's the scene about the mandrakes. Those are said to help with fertility or having babies. And so this is what's in the Bible. This is the ESV version. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. I mean, seriously, friends, this is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. There are so many moments like that. You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. Oh, my goodness. And then here is Rachel and Leah. And Rachel wants some of these mandrakes, hoping that's what's going to get her pregnant, although it's really God. And, and Leah's response is, what? You've taken my husband and now you want my mandrakes? I mean, really, it's so funny. Okay, let's see. Number six, let's just keep moving. It's okay to give God and Jesus a sense of humor and emotion. God doesn't always speak in a booming voice from heaven. When he says in Matthew, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, don't make him sound cold and distant. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Make him sound like the loving God that he is. He's talking about his son, and he knows what his son is going to have to do. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Make God not sound like some big machine in the sky. Number seven. Ask God to help you find the point or the lesson of the story that he wants the kids to take away with them. Remember, we can tell these stories multiple times and come up with different lessons or different main points. We want to make sure that we use the one that God has in mind that day. So in the story of Rachel and Leah, Leah is not the bad one and Rachel is not the good one just because she's the one Jacob wanted. What could the message be? One message could be God loves both of them equally. We have to remember to tell kids that we never want them to think that the favored one is loved more or because Rachel didn't have the kids, she is loved less. Jacob loved her more and so she was better. We don't want to do that. God loves all people equally. And finally, be sure to keep your personal interpretations or opinions out of the story. 
For example, don't tell the story of Jonah and the great fish as if it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. If it's in the Bible, it is true. If you tell the kids that story as if you're not sure it's true, they will pick up on that. So don't let that happen. Question four is, how do we get the kids to learn the story or tell it back? Oh, I've got some cool things to share with this. And this is the fun part. When we talked about first and second graders and preschoolers and kindergartners, uh, we already talked about who these kids are and how they learn differently in each of those grades. We've talked about asking questions while you share the story and having kids tell the story back with props or using, using rhythm or rhyme and letting them play within the story. Here are a few other ideas. And first of all, there's a hint. For echo repeat, anytime you want the kids to repeat something, you teach the kids a sign for when you want them to answer or repeat something, such as touching your ear or cupping your hand around your ear. You know, that symbol of I can't hear you that you use sometimes. Try something like that or come up with something yourself. Either way, the kids need to know without you saying it every time when they need to repeat. So the first option is to use the question echo and use that within the story as you tell it. This helps the kids answer the questions. Here's an example. One day, a man named Jonah was told by God to go to a city. Who was the man? Jonah. Who told him to go? God. God told him to go to the city called Nineveh because the people were bad. What's the name of the city? Nineveh. How are the people being? Bad. Now you don't need to ask a question after every single point, but you do want to make sure the kids repeat the important parts of the story as that's what they'll remember the most. Okay, the next one is the pause to repeat echo. And that's when you pause to repeat a line and have the kids repeat that line with you. For example, Zacchaeus was a short, rich man. He took money from people to give to the government, so nobody liked Zacchaeus. Use the signal, nobody liked Zacchaeus. He wanted to see Jesus. Hmm, what should Zacchaeus do? He looked around at all the trees around him and climbed up a tree to see Jesus. What did he do? He climbed up a tree to see Jesus. Make sure that you keep the echoes short phrases so that the kids can remember them. Also, remember to have them repeat the lines that make your point or teach the lesson that you want them to take home. So nobody liked Zacchaeus and he climbed up a tree to see and that it was only a part of that story. But you see how you take those certain lines, make sure that they're short, and you have the kids repeat them. Then if you want to put those short ones into some kind of a rhythm, that'll help them remember them too. Okay, the last one is the repeat the phrase echo. And this is where kids repeat the same phrase throughout the story. For example, let's say the phrase is Jesus loves everyone. And my story is called 
the ugly zoo. And I made it up, you guys, so please be kind about this. Here goes. One day, a bunch of people went to the ugly zoo. At the ugly zoo, there were a bunch of uglies. The group started down the hall, and they were going to look in the first window, and they stopped at that first window. And at the top was a sign that said, Mean Words. Hmm. Inside, there was a girl saying all kinds of mean things to the people as they walked by. Hey, you're ugly, she would shout at one person. And you're stupid, she would shout at another. And all the kids shouted back, Jesus loves everyone. At the next window, there was a sign that said, Pusher, because this boy was always pushing everybody around. Do it my way, he would say to one person. I want that toy, he would say to another. And all the kids shouted back, Jesus loves everyone. And they moved on. The sign above the next window said, Crabby. As people walked by, there was a girl who was complaining about everything. I don't like this food, she said. That dress is ugly and I don't want to wear it. She also said, I want a new dress. And as she complained, all the kids shouted back, Jesus loves everyone. And so they walked on. And so they walked on in the ugly zoo, visiting angry, sloppy, grumpy, pride, hit her brother, stole a cookie, and many other uglies. The kids kept sharing that same message at every person they met at the ugly zoo. What was the message? Jesus loves everyone. You know, everybody has a bad day and everybody gets in a bad mood. But thanks to God, Jesus loves everyone. Repeat the phrase works very well with short Bible verses too. Jesus loves everyone. Now, after saying it that many times, hopefully, while they're in the car on the way home, they will say it again. Jesus loves everyone. No matter how angry or upset they are, Jesus still loves them. So you see, stories can be used in many positive ways for kids this age and any other age. And the stories from the Bible can be told in very compelling ways so that kids find them interesting and can take home some wonderful message from God's Word. Don't you want to run home and try it? Next time, I'm going to talk about children's messages. You're going to hear something about object lessons that may be a surprise. Now don't forget, if you've got a question or a curiosity you'd like to have answered, you can contact me and we'll talk about it here. Whatever it is, if you've got a question, I've most likely got an answer. You can submit questions using the form at carpentersministrytoolbox.com under the podcast tab. You can send me an email at laura.langhoff at carpentersministrytoolbox.com or find me or Carpenters Ministry Toolbox on Facebook. I've also added a widget to the Anchor podcast page that'll let you leave a message. Try it. You can find my books, The Art of Teaching the Faith, which this podcast is based on, the Art of Teaching Confirmation, there's a book and a resource book for people who teach confirmation, and there are others on Amazon. There's also a student workbook available that goes with the Art of Teaching Confirmation resources. 
you can get that on my website. Until next time, my friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 18, 24.